Hello, everybody. Another beautiful day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Um, coming with coming to you tonight with another a uh, another teaching on from the trees or teaching from the trees. And um, today was a good day today. The Lord was kept His hand upon us and protected us and kept us all safe. You know, and we it's those little things we need to be thankful for. You know, because God always keeps us and He always protects us and uh, He always watches over us in everything that we do, uh, whether we realize it or not. He's always right there to keep us, you know, keep our um, keep us from having disasters happen in our lives. And if something does happen, He still protects us and keeps us from being as bad as what it could be. Um, you know, so we should always give God praise and and thanks for everything that He does. You know. And um, even if we don't see it, there's little things that we don't see, the little things that that we look right over and, and not even think of, not even, um, it never even crosses our mind sometimes. You know, He gives us the strength to get out of bed in the morning. There's some people that can't get out of bed in the morning that, that doesn't have the strength or the health to get out of bed. And, um, you know, He puts breath in our bodies and, and stuff, you know, because without Him, we're, we're nothing. And without Him... Uh, no life would be sustained. You know, nothing would be able to live without God, without the power of God, holding all things together. You know, it's just those little things like that. He could have, he could have wiped the slate clean and started it all over again. But he, he chose to work with us and try to, to uh, get us to, to, you know, get us to live the way he wants us to live and get us to turn back to him and turn away from our wicked ways. You know. And he didn't have to do all that. He could have just wiped it all clean and started all over. Uh, but he chose not to. He chose. To, he looked down and saw Noah, and Noah and his sons found grace in the eyes of God. And God saved Noah and his sons and their wives, and started civilization all over again. You know, instead of wiping everything, wiping everything out of existence and starting all over. But I thank God for that. That he, you know, that he cares enough for us that he came to this world and died for us. And, um, you know, God's awesome. He's an awesome God that we serve. And we should be thankful for all things that He does. But, um, I'm, gonna, I'm coming to you tonight with this teaching. It's called In the Shade of the Juniper Tree. As you can see, the title that I got up there is In the Shade of the Juniper Tree. And, um, the beginning of this is being based in, in, second, in First Kings. And it's about Elijah and, and Elijah's. Um, walk with God and stuff that, and you know what happened with him and a lot of things. Before I get started, I want to go ahead and pray. Before I get started in this, Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for another opportunity, Lord, to get on Facebook, God. I thank you, Jesus, for this this time, Lord God, to to teach these teachings, God, that you put on my heart. And I ask you, Jesus, to help me to bring this forth, Lord, the way that you revealed it to me. That it help each and every one of us, God, in our walk with you. Help us to get stronger in you, Lord. Help us to get a better understanding, God, and and of what of what you have for us, Lord God, and, and a better understanding, Lord, of, of how we can get strength from you, Lord, and and how we need to keep our eyes focused on you, God. And help us to do that, God. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you and to watch, Lord, and, and be watchful and let you lead and guide and direct us, God. Help us with your grace, Lord Jesus, to to walk this, walk out this life in you, Lord God, that has a great reward, Lord, that's waiting on us, God. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. And if anybody's out out there, Lord, is sick in their bodies, Lord God, or or experiencing pain, Lord, or anything, God, and I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you'll touch them, God, touch them in their bodies, Lord, and let your healing virtue flow over them, God, and heal their bodies, Lord Jesus, with your miracle working power, God. And Lord, I thank you for that, Lord. And if there's anybody, Lord, that's not living right, Lord, that hasn't surrendered to you, God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you'll deal with their heart, Lord, and help them, Lord God, to see, Lord, that you're the way, truth, the way, the truth, and the life, God, and that they have nothing, Lord, without you. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, Amen. And um, if you think about Elijah, one of the things that happened with Elijah is whenever he came across the prophets of Baal and he was on and um, and the prophets were up there on that mountain and Ahab was there and he had Ahab meet him there and he came up there and all of them all met together and he told them if your God 
you know, answers you, then let him be God. But if my God answers, let him be God. And they set up their sacrifice to the prophets of Baal. We know they set up their sacrifice to their God, Baal. And um, all these prophets, you know, and they got all their stuff ready and they were doing all these crazy things. Look, they were cutting their bodies and all that and all this weird stuff, just demonic stuff, trying to get Baal to answer them. And Baal never paid no mind to them. Baal never came. Baal never done anything. All this stuff they'd done was all in vain for nothing and Baal never never moved. But then Elijah, we know Elijah got up there and he put he put his he built his altar to the Lord and he, he put a sacrifice on it. He told him to saturate everything with water, fill the, the trench around it that he dug around the altar, fill it with water, and just kept pouring water and pouring more water and more water, really saturating his sacrifice and saturating everything. And he prayed and asked God to, to let his God answered by fire, and God brought fire down out of heaven, consumed the sacrifice, and all the water that was poured on the altar just consumed it all up, and, and God answered him. And we know that then Elijah had all the prophets of Baal all put to death. But something I want you to think about here is something that he said a little later on, which I'm going to I'm gonna show you in, in a little bit. But something that he said made me, got, made me get to thinking about this. All these prophets, these prophets of Baal, and I believe that some of these prophets, because of something that Elijah said, at one time were, were living right. At one time they were prophets of the true living God. But somewhere along their way, because of Jezebel and and everything, and Jezebel's influence and and the devil's influence through Jezebel caused these prophets to turn from God and turn towards the false god of Baal. Or turn to, you know... Um, Jezebel's God so they turned away from God and turned towards Jezebel and all this had happened and Elijah had all of them put to death and then after he had them all put to death then he prayed that it would rain and he had prayed previously before that three and a half years before that that it wouldn't rain and the heavens were dried up and it didn't rain for three and a half years then after this happened with the sacrifice then he prayed again and then the rain came and not long after that, after Ahab went back to the, to Jezreel and he told Jezebel everything that happened, then Jezebel sent a message with her messenger telling Elijah that she was going to kill him. So when that happened, then Elijah, we know, he got scared. Right? He was Fear was put into him by the words of Jezebel. And when that happened, he went, he went into the wilderness a day's journey. And that's where I'm going to start reading at right here in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take, my, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. See, he began, after what Jezebel had said to him, the words that, that, that he received from her got into his head and caused him to start thinking in a, in a way that God didn't want him to think, in a way that he shouldn't have been thinking. He allowed, he allowed the words of Jezebel to influence him to the point of giving up and to saying, well, you know, what's the use? Why should I even go on? You know, he's doing what God wants him to do. But then it seems like every time he turns around, a wall shoved up in his face, and he has these, these, this great this great resistance coming against him. It's much like us today when we face things in our life, we have a resistance coming against us, and you know, affecting, trying to affect or influence our walk with God. And when that happens, if we don't keep our eyes on God, then we're going to allow those things to influence and influence us. We're going to allow them to to discourage us and get us. To where we begin become weary and, and you know weary and well doing and and we get to thinking well I'm you know am I doing all this in vain why does there seem to be so many problems coming against me I'm supposed to be a child of God I'm supposed to be someone that's living for the Almighty God that's sitting up in heaven that has all things in the palm of his hand has everything under his control you know why why am I facing these things but what we fail to realize is all this is for the glory of God it's just like I want you to think about something when he had all those prophets there of those prophets of Baal and 
they called out to Baal and Baal didn't answer. But when Elijah called out to God, God answered and He answered by fire. And He done exactly what He said He would do for Elijah. So that God got glory out of that because when everybody other everybody else around her, including Ahab, other than the prophets of Baal, witnessed that, they seen that Elijah's God was the true living God. And when they seen that, God got the glory out of that. But you see, then all of a sudden when this happened, he prayed for rain and it started it began to rain. Rain came back on the earth and, and, and everything and ended the drought and ended all that to happen and, and they were able to plant food and get a crop back and all that stuff that happened. And all God got glory out of all this. But the influence of Jezebel's message to Elijah discouraged him. And I know I said it, it put fear in him a little while ago, but I don't think it actually put fear in Elijah. I think it discouraged him because of everything that he's faced and everything he's going through. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the king's wife sends him that message and threatens him even though he proved that his God was the true living God. So, so then he, he, he journeyed a day's journey. He left, he left from there and journeyed a day's journey into the wilderness. And he found him a juniper tree. And he, he got up underneath that juniper tree and he laid down and began to relax and began to rest. And he asked God, he said, God, why? Why, why do I need to keep going on? There's, there's nobody else. I'm the only one. Everything, all this has happened... There's nobody else. It's just me. And I have failed you. So I'm no more. I'm, I'm nothing in my father's house. I'm the least in my father's house. I'm nothing, Lord. I have failed you. Just go ahead and take me on out of here and end my life. That's what he was saying. That's what that's his prayer to God was, God, I failed. You know, I, I, I've done everything you said to do, but I failed. I did I, somewhere along the line. It didn't work. So now as he's laying there underneath this juniper tree and he lays back and he falls asleep, and as he's laying there sleeping, then the next thing that happens, it says, as he lay, in verse 5, as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. So when the angel touched him and he woke up and he looked up and there was a cake sitting there with a flask of water by his head. So he got up, he ate the cake and he drank the water and then he lay back down and went back to sleep again. And as he's laying there the next time, it says, in verse 7, it says, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he rose up and he ate the, ate the second cake and drank the flask of water. And then it says, after that, it says, And, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights into Horeb, the mount of God. So he journeyed forty days on, that, on them two cakes. He journeyed for 40 days into the wilderness. He was preparing under the juniper tree for a fast of 40 days. So after he rested there under the juniper tree and then he ate the cakes that the angel brought to him, he got up and for 40 days he fasted as he journeyed from the juniper tree. He journeyed over to Mount Horeb, the Horeb, the mountain of God. That's the same place where Moses had his encounter with God. Same place where Moses got the Ten Commandments. Same place where Moses seen the burning bush. And God spoke to him through the burning bush. Well, when he gets there to the mountain of God, to Mount Horeb, and he enters into a cave there. And when he enters into the cave, it says, verse 9, it says, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? It says the word of the Lord. But if you look over in, in the book of John, the word... The Word is God. The Word is Jesus. You see, the Word was with God. The Word is God. And it says the Word came to him. I believe that he had that he he had a visitation from God manifested in the flesh in the form of Jesus. And he's standing there in that cave and he's talking to him. And says to him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah began to tell him, he says, And he said, I have been weary, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the, thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. So he was having a, a pity party here. He was telling, he was telling God, he's saying, look, you know, I, I, they've done killed all the prophets. They killed every one of them. There's none of them left. There's no more. I'm the only one, and, and only I. And they seek to kill me too. 
you know. So him telling him telling God this, and he's, he's basically, you know, um, just complaining, telling God, you know, why am I why am I bothering to do all this? I'm doing it all in vain, you know. And it says that he was jealous of God because of the way the way they were doing, you know, the the way they were treating him over God, and the way they were. The way they were looking at that when God brought the fire down and burnt the sacrifices and everything, and Jezebel instead of saying, "Wow, his God did that," then he's the real, he's the true God. But no, instead she said, "Because he killed my prophets, he killed my false prophets, the prophets that what that was not prophets of the true living God. Because he killed all of them, I'm going to kill him." So instead of her really, you know, witnessing and, and noticing that his God was the true living God, the God that actually that actually brought fire down out of heaven. The the one that's living, the one that's sitting on his throne in heaven. She couldn't see that. So he's saying, you know, they're not seeing this, God. They're not seeing they're not seeing you. They're not seeing that what I'm doing is for you. Now how many times do we in today's life feel that same way? We look at things that way sometimes. We look at things as, you know, well well, God, they're not seeing this. You know, I'm trying to witness to them and they're not seeing it. I'm trying to, to show you to them. I'm trying to tell them about you. And they're, they're, they're not listening. They're not seeing what I'm saying. They're, they just, they can't see it, God. Why should I even bother? You know, and when we get like that, we need, we need to reframe ourselves and we need to say, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm still going to trust God. I'm still going to keep witnessing to them. I'm still going to keep telling them. You know, and just like Elijah here, I want to show you something. This is something I've seen about this story with Elijah. When he was standing there and he was telling he was telling Jesus this in the cave and he was talking to him and everything. It says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And when he, he went out there and he stood on the mount before the Lord, stood outside the cave. He went out the, outside of the cave and stood there. It says, And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, the earth, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. What I believe God was showing him here, he was saying, look, I have done this for you. I have moved for you. I brought fire down out of heaven. I've shaken the earth for you. I've, I've caused the wind to blow in your favor and to do things for you. All these things I have done for you, Elijah. All these things I'm able to do. Because see, when the wind blew through it, it broke the rocks and shook everything and moved, moved things out of its way. It says God wasn't in the wind. In other words, as God was coming by and the wind was blowing, God wasn't like pushing the wind you know, right there in the wind and moving with the wind and breaking the rocks himself. He was causing this to happen. He was making the wind to do this. And when the earth shook, God wasn't in the earth, the earthquake, but the earthquake still, the earth still shook because God caused it to shake. God caused the earth to quake. In other words, he, God did this. God's saying, I've done this for you, Elijah. And then the fire, when he showed him the fire, he's saying, and saying God wasn't in the fire, but God was showing him, I'm the one that brought the fire down on the altar. You didn't do that, Elijah. You prayed and asked me to bring the fire, and I'm the one that brought the fire. He was showing him, all these things I've done for you, all these things I'm capable of doing for you, and you're, you're worried about these little things. And I'm, the, I'm greater than Jezebel. I'm greater than Ahab. I'm greater than any of them. I'm greater than the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal couldn't bring nothing down. They couldn't bring Baal down and this, this dead God that, that doesn't exist. They couldn't bring him down to do anything. But when you look to me and ask me to bring the fire, I brought the fire. I'm the true living God. You're my servant. You do these things. You ask me to do these things, and I do them for you, Elijah. Why can't you look to me and say, God, can you move in this? God, can you do this? You see, just like that's the way we need to be. We need to realize, not look so much at our circumstance and situations and get to thinking that, that you know, we can't fix this. We, we can't make this happen. How, how are we going to do this? Are you going to do it with the, help of, with the help of God if you look to Him and ask Him, God, help me in this. God, help move in this situation. Lord, God, I ask you, Jesus, to make a way where there seems to be no way. God, move in this circumstance when nothing else can make it happen. Nothing else can move in it. God, I ask you to do it for me, Lord. I ask you, Jesus, to do this. And God, I trust you and believe you to do it. Ask God to do it for you and get... Get your eyes off of the circumstance, like just like what Elijah did with the Jezebel. Instead of looking at Jezebel, he should have looked to God and said, 
I'm going to trust my God instead of sitting here worrying about Jezebel. Because she's just like... When he began to, to complain outside the cave and God came to him in that still small voice and he began to speak to him, God told him, I got 7,000 prophets that hasn't bowed their knee to Baal. And you're saying, you're saying Jezebel has taken all the prophets and that Jezebel has influenced all the prophets. No, I got 7,000 of them out there that hasn't bowed their knee to Baal. I got 7,000 of them out there besides you. You're not the only one left. I got plenty more out there to work with, Elijah. So get off this pity party, quit sitting here pouting, and go do what I told you to do. And he told him, go to anoint, go to Damascus, journey to Damascus, get on your way to Damascus, Elijah, go anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. So you go see Hazael, and you anoint him to be Sir, the king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, thou shalt anoint to be king over Israel. And then he told him and said, and Elijah, Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abelmelo shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. In other words, he told, he told him, he said, I want you to go see Elijah, and you're going to anoint him to take your place. When you leave here, Elijah's going to take your place. See, he already had a man to take his place. See, and them sitting there worried about him being the only one left, and there not being any more prophecies. See, he was looking too much, with too much focus and too much emphasis on his situation and his problems instead of looking to God and trusting God that, that God's going to take care of it. See, God was going to take care of Jezebel. He didn't have to worry about Jezebel. He didn't have to worry about Ahab. Neither one of them were going to touch him. Neither one of them were going to kill Elijah because Elijah was in God's hands and God was protecting him and God was covering him. God was shielding him. But you see, instead, he allowed his problems and his circumstance to get too much influence over his mind and got him to worry and and instead of trusting God. And see, then when he left there, he journeyed. See, here's the thing. He ate two cakes and journeyed 40 days, right? So there was two cakes instead of just one. Why couldn't he have ate the one cake and journeyed 40 days and, you know, him be fine for that 40 days? The reason why he had to eat that second cake because he had another 40 days heading back. So when he left the, when he left on, from underneath the juniper tree, he ate two cakes and he left underneath from underneath the juniper tree, traveled 40 days to Mount Horeb, Got in the presence of God, got his answers from God, God told him what to do. He left there, traveled another 40 days back to Damascus, to where he went back and he met up with, with Hazael and anointed him to be king, the king over Syria. And he met with Jehu and, and, and anointed him to be king over Israel. And then as he's traveling along, then he come across and he met up with Elijah. And when he met up with Elijah, he threw his mantle at him, threw his mantle onto him, and Elijah came to him. Elijah knew what he was doing. Elijah knew what, what it meant for him to throw his mantle at him. So then they began to travel together. But see, then a little later on, as they're traveling together, it was after after um, Ahab had died in battle and a couple other things had taken place. He's standing there and he's traveling. He's headed towards, towards Jericho to cross over River Jordan. And as he's going, there was messengers sent from one of the kings that was sick of, can of uh, leprosy or something. Anyways, he had a sickness in his body that was unto death. And he sent word to Elijah. Elijah, the first set of men that came to him, he called fire down from heaven. He said, if I be the prophet of, if I be the, prophet of the living God, when I call fire down from heaven, it's going to come out of heaven and consume you. And he called it down out of heaven. The fire fell and consumed him. Traveled a little, kept traveling on. Another set of men come along. Same thing. He called fire down from heaven again and it consumed him again. See, still the power of God, when he called out to God, was still there. God was still on his side. God was still working for Elijah. And as they're traveling along, a third band come along, and they pleaded mercy from, from Elijah and said, Please don't consume us with the fire. Let us talk, because our king has sent us with a message for, uh, for you. So when, he, when he, um, he received the message from him, and he told him to go back and tell him that he will surely die in that bed that he's lying in, and he went back with the, the message. But as he went along, here's the thing. When they crossed over the river Jordan, when he smoked the water and the water parted, and him and, and him and Elijah went across the river Jordan, he asked Elijah, he said, what is it you want from me? And Elijah told him, well, first he said, he said, what is it that you want from me before I depart from thee? See, he knew at that moment that God was taking him from Elijah. But see, there's, there's other things to this too that I think is um, 
one thing is his body didn't come back down. And he didn't die. So we know that in the book of the book of Malachi that it talks about Elijah is coming the Elijah the prophets coming before the great day of the Lord. So it says that Elijah's coming back in the future and then you got two prophets spoken of in the book of Revelations that comes back in the future. One of them has the ability to call fire down from heaven. So that tells me that the very one that called fire down out of heaven in the in the book of Kings it's going to be the same one that's going to be calling fire down out of heaven in the book of Revelation. So when Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind and he was carried up into the up into the heavens, he didn't fall back down. I believe that God took him and setting him down in the future, which is our future, which is very near to us. But that's my belief on that. But he told him, he said, what do you want from me before I leave? So he knew that he was fixing to be taken out taken away from Elijah and taken up in the whirlwind. Elijah already knew that. Why? Because I believe God told him on the mountain. God explained some things to him. When he had that encounter with him on the Mount Horeb, God explained a few things to Elijah. And he began. He, he enlightened him on some things, some knowledge that only God could give him and some wisdom that only God could give him. God showed him a thing or two up there, so to speak. So he didn't, he didn't worry about old Jezebel anymore. He didn't worry about anything else because he knew that when he called out to God, God was going to be there for him and God was going to answer for him. And even though he did before, but you see, he didn't let none of that other stuff bother him anymore after that encounter on Mount Horeb. So you see, when we, when we encounter things that, that begin to discourage us and cause us to doubt and cause us to worry and cause us to, to have all these little, you know, issues, we need to take a minute underneath the shade of a juniper tree and just think about things and pray to God and ask God. Instead of telling God to take us out of this world and carry us on home, ask Him to move in that circumstance. Ask Him to give you strength to keep pressing on. Ask Him to encourage you like David encouraged himself in the Lord. You see, it's something we have to do ourselves. We encourage ourselves in the Lord. In other words, we, we get to praising God and get to talking to Him and and thanking Him for what He's already done, and just exalting Him and praising Him, lift His name up, and get into His presence. Stir up that spirit man that lives inside of us, like David did. David stirred that spirit man up inside of him. He encouraged himself in the Lord. So he began to praise in God, began to, to love on the Lord, began to thank Him for everything that He'd done, and everything that, he, you know, just 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 encouraging himself and encouraging himself in the Lord. That's what we need to do. You see, just like when Elijah went underneath that juniper tree, it's okay that he traveled a day's journey into the wilderness. But the attitude that he had when he got there, Lord, take me out of here because this just ain't working. You know, he was telling God, Lord, they, they ain't listening to me. They they seen, you know, seen me call your fire down out of heaven, but they didn't see it. They, they didn't acknowledge it. They're not paying no, they're not taking heed to it, God. They're not taking heed to your warnings. They're not listening. They're not realizing that you're the true living God that that can change things for them. They're, they're not listening to that. You see, instead of him having that kind of attitude, he should have, should have went there and said, Lord, I need a little bit of strength. God, I need you to strengthen me a little. Lord, I need I need to encourage myself in you, God. I need some I need some encouragement from you. I need some some relief from the stress, God, and help me, Lord Jesus, to 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 know and help me, God, to understand. Give me an understanding of what's happening here. And help me, Lord Jesus, to realize. And God, you know, help me to see what you want me to do. Give me, a, you know, give me some help here, Lord. Is what He should have done. Instead of sitting there having a pity party and crying to the Lord and asking God, just take me on out of here because this just ain't happening. This just ain't working. See, God can make it work. God can make all things work. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You see, the Lord strengthens us to do things, but we have to realize that. We have to have an understanding that all we got to do is reach out to Him and ask Him to help us and believe without doubting and believe and, and, you know, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that whatsoever we ask, He's going to grant if we just believe. That's what the Bible says. Whatsoever we ask, if we believe and trust God that He's going to do it, we'll have it. But we have to act, we have to believe what whenever we ask. We can't just you know just not believe in it. See, here's the thing about Elijah. Elijah believed God, and God brought the fire down out of heaven. Elijah believed God when the meal and the oil never ran out, and they they ate on the cake that barrel of meal and, and oil for days. 
until the fast was coming to, or until the famine was coming to an end. He believed God for that. He believed God to, to bring, to bring the child back to life. He believed God for all these things. He believed God for the axe head to, to float up, to come up out of the bottom of the water and float up on the top so they could get the axe head back. He believed God for all those things. He believed that when he asked for, for it to not rain for three and a half years, it didn't rain for three and a half years because he believed God for that. He trusted God. He believed that when he asked, it would happen. All these things that, that Elijah asked for and he, he had faith and believed. But then one little thing just got underneath his skin and caused him to doubt, caused him to lose focus because he allowed the circumstance to get control of his mind and caused him to doubt the Lord. You know, and that's that's something that's easy to do. We could we could believe God and have you know God move in circumstance, move in situations, and everything, and then all of a sudden one little thing just distract us and cause us to lose all focus on God, and because we get too much emphasis and too much focus on our problems and our situations and our trials. Let me make sure I covered everything on this so far, and. In Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. This is what Paul says about the same situation or the same uh, instance that happened with Elijah when he's talking here. It says, I say then, hath God, hath God cast away his people? In other words, has God taken his people and cast them off? Has God taken his people and said that he's done with them? No, God hasn't done that. Says so God forbid. For I also am an, Israel, am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. So he was saying, I'm still here. I'm, Paul said, I'm still here. I'm still right here. You know, I'm a child of, of God, of God's people. I'm a child of Abraham. I'm a child of Benjamin. He come from the lineage of Benjamin. He said, I'm still here. God hasn't cast me off. He says, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. In other words, he knew. See, he knew us from the start. It's like I was saying the other night. God knew us from the start, from the very beginning. He's known us before he even before we even were even born. He knew who we were. He knew who he's going to be. God already knew all that stuff. He foreknew all things before before we were even began before we even got here. It says, "God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew." What ye not? What the Scripture saith of Elias, which Elias here is Elijah. How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Notice he is praying to God against Israel, saying this, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But you see where it says, And they have killed thy prophets. See he said they have killed they have killed thy prophets. And I am left alone. In other words, I am the only one left. They killed all of them, God. See, remember what I was saying a little while ago. Now, when I said that about the prophets of Baal possibly being prophets that were initially for God before they were influenced and turned away and turned unto false gods, I believe that that's what he was referring to. These prophets that were that were worshiping Baal were at one time prophets of God, but under the influence of Jezebel and because of Jezebel threatening their lives and all the things that was going on in those days with her with her controlling influence over over Ahab and over all the people, her wanting to be in control and be be um, like a tyrant over all the people, and everything's got to be her way or no way. Because of that, her influence over these prophets caused them to turn from God and turn to the false god Baal. So that's what it's referring to here when he was saying that they have taken all the prophets, all of them, and killed them. Which basically he killed them whenever he, they were, you know, during the Baal and, you know, the uh, fire being called from heaven to consume the sacrifice. He had them all put to death because they wouldn't turn back to God. But it says they have digged down thine altars. In other words, you, they've cast down the altars and they've killed all the prophets, all, the, all your prophets, all your people. They have killed every one of them and I'm the only one left and they seek my life now. Now they're after me and want to kill me. See, Paul was saying what Elijah had said back in the book of Kings whenever, that, whenever this was actually taking place. But then in verse 4 he says, But what saith the answer of God unto him? In other words, what did God answer Elijah when Elijah was saying all this? 
He says, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. In other words, I have reserved 7,000. There's 7,000 I've got hidden away that I've gotten that where Jezebel can't get to and to where her influence can't get to them. I have them reserved unto me. In other words, I've got them kept hidden and kept in a place under protection to where they can't be influenced by all this. Wouldn't you like to be under the, that, the wing of God to be where you can be protected from all the influence of the world to where the things of the world do not influence you? You have that ability because these people that He's reserved unto Him, they had a choice to make whether they wanted to allow themselves to be reserved unto God. So you see, they had a, joy, a choice to make in that. We have that choice to where we can get to that level in God and that point in God to where we don't allow things to influence us. So if we get under the wings, of, under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty, and we can be protected and shielded from those things. Just like when getting under that juniper tree and allowing God to be our influence, not allowing ourselves to be influenced by other things around us, other things in the world, but keep our focus on God. Keep our focus away from the world and away from things of the world. And keep in, keep our influence, allowing ourselves to only be influenced by the Word of God and by God and by the you know the the words coming the anointed word coming from the minister of God coming into our lives to help us and to keep us influenced and keep us close to God's heart. You see that that's something we have a choice to do. We have that choice. God's not going to twist our arm behind our back and force us, you know, to do what He wants us to do. No, He's He's a gentleman. He's a perfect gentleman. He's going to request it of us, but we have to be the ones to say that yes, Lord, I'm willing, God. I'm a willing vessel, Lord. Use me for what you want, what you need me to do for you, God, and and enable me to do it, and help me to do it, and give give me the strength to where I can do it. You see, we have that choice, we have that ability to, we have to turn to God and allow Him to to be our influence, allow Him to be the one that tell that that control that helps us, and um, that influences our lives. Allow Him to be the one, and don't worry about what other people say. You know, if people want to talk bad about you for being a Christian and for your walk with God, then let them cry. Let them talk about it. At least they're leaving somebody else that's weaker alone. You know, get your feelings off your shoulders and quit worrying about what people think and say, regardless of what happens, regardless of what people say about me, regardless of, of how people look at me, I'm serving God because I know that I have a reward one day that with God in glory for, for forever. You know, because this world's going to pass away, but my God ain't going to pass away. And if I serve Him, then, you know, I have eternal life with Him one day. So we need to allow Him to be the one to influence us and get our get our minds off of, off, of, off of problems and off of situations and off of what people think. Get our minds off all that. Get our minds where it belongs. It belongs on God. Get our minds set to where we know that beyond the beyond shadow of, of doubt that God, that, you know, that we believe God regardless of what happens. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, we know that God's going to move for us. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, we know that God's going to take care of us. That God's going to help us. That God's going to be our strength. going to be our buckler. He's going to be our shield. He's going to be the one that's going to fight for us. He's going to be the one that's going to protect us. He's going to be the one that's going to help us and going to carry us through the hard times. Like that, that, that poem of the footsteps in the sand. Whenever he was walking along and he seen two sets of footsteps. But then when the trials came and the problems got difficult, and the situations in his life begin to weigh him down and make things hard for him. And he's looking around in all directions, couldn't see God. He looked down, he only seen one set of footprints, but he couldn't see God nowhere. But when he made it through that situation, made it through that trial, and then all of a sudden he realized there's a other set of footsteps, and he asked God, Lord, why did you leave me during my trial? And God told him, I never left you. I was there the whole time. When you got to where you couldn't walk, and got to where you was going to fall, and got to where you was going to fall short and faint, I lifted you up and I carried you and I helped you through. That one set of footsteps you've seen in that sand, it wasn't your footsteps, it was my footsteps where I was carrying you through them hard times. You see, we need to realize that God's going to help us and get keep our eyes on Him and trust Him through all things. So He's going to help us. Don't let yourself get discouraged. Don't let yourself get discouraged with your problems. Don't allow the enemy to come in and, and blindside you and get you to, to begin to doubt God. It says here, but what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. But here's, it says here, even so, then at this present time 
Also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. According to the election of grace, the grace of God, that grace that enables us to live right, that grace that helps us to to live a prosperous life with God, that grace that helps and shows and leads, guides, and directs our lives. When we keep our eyes on God, it's not it's, it's by mercy that when we fall, God doesn't doesn't judge us for you know for failing for failing Him. It's the mercy that, that God doesn't judge us, not grace. Grace enables us to live right. Grace enables us to stand in the hard times. Because, you see, we get that grace from God. We have to keep our eyes on, on God, keep our focus on Him, and allow Him to lead us, and allow Him to show us how to get through. Because, you see, He always makes a way of escape for temptation. Anytime temptation comes, God makes a way of escape. Just like when Elijah went up underneath the, underneath the juniper tree, Instead of looking to God for the way of escape, instead he got to uh, doubting God and got to having pity on himself and asking God to take him out of a circumstance. Instead of asking God, Lord, show me that way of escape that you have made for me. Be my shield and buckler against Jezebel. Be my Stand up on my behalf and my defense against this woman that has come against me that's wanting to kill me because I'm trying to show that you are the true living God. I was trying to show her that you are God, not Baal. But she wouldn't listen. So stand up on my behalf and show her God and shield me from her and protect me. But instead, he went and did what he did. But even at this present time, even today, this very hour, this very time that we're living in, as we come upon the, the end time, coming upon the, the time of Jacob's trouble, as we are rapidly approaching that and looking up and watching for Jesus to step out on a cloud and call, call this church home, as we rapidly approach this, in this present time, God has a remnant that He has that is not turning from Him and turning to apostate Christianity, not turning from Him and turning to, to the, the way of the world and turning to the way of, of sin and turning to all this iniquity that's going on that is, that is destroying the land that is causing the curse of God to come on this country. See, we God has a remnant that is willing to take a stand. There's a remnant here, even in this very hour, like the 7,000 that He had that he had protected from Jezebel, there is a remnant even today that God has chosen, that He has selected, and that He's shielding and holding and covering them under protection. And He's reserved unto Himself for the last move of God. So according to His election of grace, He has that. But look, I want to show you something in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. You see, when we look back at Elijah and what Elijah faced, and, and then we, we look at things that goes on in our lives today, there's a lot that we can learn from that. And if we think about it, and this is, this is uh, Paul's letter to James that he wrote to James. Let me make sure I got that right. But right here in the book of James, Paul, or the... the uh, it's the letter of James. James wrote this right here in verse seven, in chapter five, verse seventeen. James wrote this, and James was looking back on Elijah, because where it says Elias in the New Testament is speaking of Elijah, and he knew what Elijah had faced from from the you know the these books and stuff that they had written of the history and everything that took place. So back here in James's day, James wrote this, and he says. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. What he was referring to is, is Elijah suffered the same things that we suffer today. During Elijah's life, he suffered the very things that we suffered. And, you know, maybe in a, in a different aspect or different, different, in a different form or fashion, he suffered like we suffered. The same like passions. So, when you look back at Elijah, and how he suffered, and how he, you know had that happen with him, with Jezebel, and and all that, and the, and all the prophets, you know, the things he witnessed with the prophets, like I was saying earlier, that were um, were prophets of God at one time, but they turned from God and turned to Jezebel's God and Baal, ate at her table, and everything become you know one of her one of her minions. When he witnessed all this, and and all this took place. And everything, it's the same kind of things we suffer today. We suffer like passions today, like Elijah did. Like all the prophets in the Old Testament, like Daniel being thrown in the lion's den. Just because he's standing on his belief and standing on his God and said, I'm not, 
you know, I'm not, I'm going to continue to pray. You can tell me not to pray well, all you want, but I'm still praying to my God because it's my God and I'm going to pray to Him. Instead, He took a stand for God and He got thrown in a lion's den because of it, because of some people that, that wanted to see Him killed. You know, because they couldn't stand Him and they didn't like Him. But He came out of the lion's den without a, any harm to Him because of, of God, you know, Him taking that stand for God. He stood His ground. But He still suffered something because of it. Just like today, there's people suffering because they take a stand for God. They're suffering the same like passions as Daniel did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being cast in the fiery pit because of a stand they took to God. Took for God. They're saying, I'm not going to bow my knee to you. I'm not going to bow my knee to your image. There's only one God and only one God that I'm going to bow my knee to. I'm not worshiping your God. I'm worshiping my God. So because of that, they got thrown into the fiery furnace and, and God protected them and shielded them, got right there in the fire with them and brought them out without any, you know, not even the smell of smoke on them. All of that happened, but they stood their ground, but they still suffered because the people didn't, that people wanted to kill them because they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't do what they wanted them to do. You know, and it's, it's different things that we face today in our lives, but yet we can look back and we can gain wisdom from, from the book, from the Bible. From the Old Testament, from the New Testament, all through this, everything that the that the the prophets suffered, everything that that uh, Job suffered, everything that Paul and Peter and all of them suffered, and John the Bad or John the Baptist having his head cut off because of you know um, because of something that he told the king, and the you know the woman got mad about it and had her daughter dance for the king, and then you know all that that happened, he had. Uh, she had him cut her uh, John the Baptist's head off. And John, the revelator, being put on the Isle of Patmos and having his eyes burned out because he took a, stood, took a stand for Jesus. You know? And all those, all those things suffered, but yet the little things that we suffer today, and you look back at the big things that they suffered back then, you know, and, and we, you know, we want to get into mully grubs about it and get all down and, and all that. We need to learn from what the Bible says and take a stand and say, God, Regardless of what happens, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to continue to, to believe in you. It says that Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So even though he suffered those things, even, even though those things came his way, and even those, even though those things happened, he still was able to pray earnestly and it not rain for three and a half years and then pray again and the rain came. Can, can any of us do that today? Can we pray that it not rain for three and a half years and then pray that it rain after the end of that three and a half years? Are we able to pray earnestly that, that strong of a prayer to make things like that happen? We need to get to where we can. We need to get to where we can do that. You know, but he was, he prayed earnestly and he still suffered. He still suffered things, regardless of how much he how much of he prayed, and regardless how close he was to God, and what he was able to th to do through God. Still, he suffered things. That's what I'm getting at. They everybody suffers things. Everybody goes through things. But we have to keep our eyes on God and keep our trust in Him, regardless of what happens. Keep our focus and keep our trust and keep pressing and pushing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus regardless of what comes our way. Keep our focus and keep our attention and keep facing and keep looking to God. Just like, That's what it's saying there about Elijah. That's what When I read that right there in the book of James, those, those two verses in the book of James, when I read those two verses and it says that Elijah suffered like passions, in other words, he suffered things just like we do today, but yet, even though he suffered those things, he still was able to pray earnestly, a fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He was still able to do that, to pray and cause it to not rain for three and a half years. And then turn around at the end of those three and a half years and pray again, and it rains. He was still able to do that regardless of what he faced in his life. Regardless of the things that he went through in his life, he still had enough trust and enough believe, believe in God, enough faith in God, where he was still able to do those things we need to get to where we can do that today we need to get to where regardless of what comes at us we don't lose our focus we don't lose sight of god we keep pressing keep pushing keep 
forever moving forward in the Lord and gaining in God and keep our eyes on Him and not look to the situations, to the circumstances. Don't get discouraged. Find shade under the juniper tree. Find you some shade under the juniper tree. But when you find that shade under the juniper tree, don't pray, don't pray a, don't pray a prayer of pity to God. Don't get, don't have a pity party on Him. Don't get up underneath that juniper tree and say, God, just go ahead and take me on out of here because it just ain't working. No, don't do that. Don't get up under the juniper tree and, and say that, the same thing Elijah said. Instead, get underneath the juniper tree and say, God, help me get through this, Lord. Help me to keep my eyes on you. Help me to keep my focus on you, God. Give me some encouragement, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus, to get to get past this. Help me, Lord, to get through this. God, enable me to walk on water like Peter did, Lord. That same prayer that Peter prayed, Lord, help me to walk on the water, God. If that's you out there, help me to walk on it, Lord, and walk to you on the water. See, he said a prayer of faith and he believed and he got out and stepped on that faith for a while until he began to look at his circumstance. He did the same thing. He looked at his circumstance said, Lord, help me. I'm drowning. I'm going under God. But you see, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Ask God for, to help us. Seek God for strength to stand in your trials. Find you that shade under the juniper tree and seek God for help and for strength. To stand in your time of trials. Don't get under the, don't find the shade under the juniper tree and have a pity party, but instead find shade under the juniper tree and seek God for strength in your trials. Seek the face of the Lord to help you to get through what you're going through tonight. And if you're going through something tonight, I ask God to help you. I ask God to give you strength to get through it. And let's say a prayer right now before I end this thing. And if you're listening out there, just bow your heads with me and pray with me as I pray for you. Lord God, I ask you, Jesus, Lord, if there's anybody out there, God, Lord, that's suffering something in their life, Lord Jesus, that's that's really hammering on them, really coming down hard on them, God, to where they're feeling like just throwing in the towel, God. Lord, I ask you, Jesus, to strengthen them, Lord. I ask you, God, to give them help, Lord Jesus. Encourage them, God. And Lord, give them strength in you, Lord Jesus, that strength that only comes from you, God, to help them keep their focus on you, Lord, and not look so much to their circumstances, God, but look to you for answers, God. And look to you and believe and trust you, Lord, that you're going to move in it. God, I ask you right now, Lord, even right this very moment, God, that you will embrace them with your Holy Ghost, with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and encourage them, God, and let them know, Lord, that you've got this in the palm of your hand, Lord, and that you're still in control of all, of all things, Lord, and all things in their life, God. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, and I praise you for it, God. In Jesus' wonderful name, I pray, Lord. Amen. If this helped you tonight, I ask you to to uh, share it to help me get the word out. Um, if you think there's somebody that you know that that might get some encouragement from this or or might get some help from it, I ask you to share it and and uh, so that they can um, that they can get some help from the Lord too. And um, so in the shade of the juniper tree. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for watching. Love you guys. God bless.